0: Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm home court, you're standing trial. Why ain't I see you round back when I was down? I'm home court, you're standing trial. Why ain't I see you round back when I was down? beggin' to wanna hang around now? i see me winning i'm home court she stayin' true why ain't i see you round back when i was down
1: what's up world it's your boy big court from the holding court podcast today's episode is sponsored by uncle p's pancake and waffle mix Available in all grocery stores nationwide. This is black owned. This is ours. Product outweighs talent every day. So remember, there's no limit to your success. Uncle P's pancake mix available right now. What's up, world? It's your boy Big Court. I'm here on the Holding Court podcast. And I'm here with my co-producer, producer Ken. What's cracking, bro? Man, it's chilling, chilling. All right, all right. And today we have a very special guest, uh, producer of the series Unsolved on USA involving uh, Tupac murder.
2: Yep. Yeah.
1: And and also murder rap, which uh, explores Biggie and Tupac uh, murders as well. Uh, Mr. Mike Dorsey. Hi. Hey, how you doing, brother?
2: Thanks for having me. Yeah, Good.
1: yeah. Thanks for coming, man. You, uh, you, you produce some very compelling content. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, before we get off into the, the work you've done concerning Tupac and Biggie, um, I just kind of want to touch bases on your upbringing a little bit. Sure. I mean, did you grow up, uh, you know, listening to hip hop?
2: Not really. I, I grew up in North Orange County mm-hmm. and, you know, rock was more, more my thing. Rock alternative, mm-hmm. Nirvana, REM, okay. Pearl Jam. Okay. You know, um, I like hip hop, but I, yeah, I like hip hop, but I'm not like a hip hop head. I don't Mm -hmm. claim to be like a, you know, a super Mm -hmm. fan. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah.
1: Okay. So you grew up in, you say OC?
2: Yeah. I grew up in Fullerton.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: You used to live in Fullerton,
1: right?
3: Uh, briefly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I lived right on the border of Fullerton and Brea. Yeah. That's where I lived. Associated road. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Associated <laughs> Road, exactly. Yeah, was, that's I funny. Like, I was there for a little bit. Mm. My sister went to college out there. So I
1: remember coming down there thinking it was far as shit. It is far. <laughs> it is it. far. <laughs> I
3: mean, I'm not from L.A., so I've, I've mm-hmm. been all over L.A. So Yeah. And Orange County.
1: So you say, um, so you grew up in O.C., but um, you said we were talking, um, you know, prior, prior to getting on a camera. You say your dad was from Compton.
2: Yeah, my dad uh, was born in Los Angeles, and when he was like a toddler, uh, my grandpa built a house in Compton Mm -hmm. near Alondra and Long Beach Boulevard. Okay. um, What later became Kelly Park Crip territory, right on right on the border, coincidentally with Southside Crip neighborhood. But he was there, you know, a decade or so before Mm -hmm. that all started.
1: Okay. Okay. Did were you born yet?
2: No, I okay. was, uh, no, I was born in, in, in Inland Empire in okay. the seventies.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. I see. So, um, so your, your dad had roots in Compton right? and ironically years later, you would start doing work and investigate and do investigative work that would lead you right back to Compton.
2: Exactly. It's very, <laughs> very strange. In fact, when we filmed murder rap, we went down and filmed kind of around the Southside Crip neighborhood and I swung by and looked at my dad's old house uh-huh. just to see it. Cause I had never seen it before. Wow. But, um,
1: you had never been to Compton uh, previous to
2: that? I don't think so. I I don't think I had no I mean maybe just passing through but mm-hmm. you know you, you go to Compton because you're going to Compton there's right. no you don't really pass through it right anywhere else you know so <laughs> right um, but I grew up hearing stories about Compton it was always a rough place you know yeah. my dad got into lots of fights mm-hmm. he talked about passing knives and chains back and forth behind class mm-hmm. and he was always getting into fights with people and mm-hmm. you know the only difference then was it wasn't really guns it was just mm-hmm. you know is your fist you had to be good with your hands
1: and then in Compton, you had what they call White Flight, right. which took place with the 70s, early 70s, late
2: 60s. Yeah, they left around 1960, right when mm-hmm. he was about to start high school. Okay, yeah, They found out he was going to have to go to, to Compton High, and mm-hmm. that was kind of the, the final, like, no. Really? Yeah, he, he's going he's gonna to get, he's fighting too much. Had the violence
1: kind of um, started in Compton at that point, in yeah. terms of, I, I don't know the gangs were necessarily prevalent, but.
2: It wasn't a gang thing, but it was always a blue collar, kind of rough and tumble type of town, mm-hmm. so, you know it didn't really matter uh what your background was mm-hmm. if you were there you you know
1: mhm it was okay. always rough yeah so um being that you were into rock and you know different uh other than hip hop genres sure. of music um what what made you gravitate toward, you know, even caring about sure. the Tupac Biggie thing.
2: Yeah. When I first moved to LA in 2002, so just, you know, about five years after Biggie's murder, I lived just a few blocks away from Fairfax and Wilshire where it happened. Mm-hmm. And I knew, cause I, I'm a big uh, fan of entertainment history and Hollywood history. Mm-hmm. I knew that's the intersection where it happened mm-hmm. and that kind of started it. And then, um, in 2012, I came across an article on Greg Kading's murder rap book. Mm-hmm. And I had already done some true crime projects before that. And I was looking for my next one. Mm -hmm. And I read this article on his book and it sounded credible. It Mm -hmm. sounded legit. It didn't sound like crazy, you know, conspiracy stuff. Right. Uh, And I reached out to Greg and he sent me the book and was like, read it. And if you still want to do it, let's do Mm -hmm. it. And that's how it happened. But he had all the case files. Mm -hmm. He had, of course, you know, key D's famous confession on tape. Right. Get all that. So if you're a documentary filmmaker, you know, and you have an opportunity to dig into all that, mm-hmm. like you take it.
1: What were your thoughts about the, the murders, you know, 20 years, 20 plus years prior? Like sure. when, when Tupac got killed and Biggie got killed, what did you, on the outside looking in at that point,
2: sure? What did you think? I remember uh, my roommate in college, because I was a freshman when that happened, when Tupac mm-hmm. was killed. And my roommate was super into hip hop. Mm-hmm. And I remember kind of feeling it, through, through him I think he was super depressed mm-hmm. about it and just and then you know a few months later mm-hmm. it's Biggie Mm-hmm. So I I was more, more through uh, friends that I had in college that were into it is mm-hmm. kind of more how I related to what had happened. Right. Yeah.
1: Did you have any thoughts on it, you know, in terms of, or did you just not even think about it? You know, even vicariously through your friends, like, did you think that, oh man, yeah, Suge must've did oh. this? Or, you
2: know, <laughs> no, I had n- I didn't know anything about mm-hmm. the scene. Like I didn't know who Tupac's friends were, you know, I didn't know anything about that.
1: So okay. So you didn't know none of the At the characters. time it happened, no.
2: Yeah. No, oh. Outside of, you know, Biggie and Tupac, I really, and Puffy, obviously, mm-hmm. and Shug, you, I knew about them, but you don't, I didn't know all their interpersonal relationships mm-hmm. with anybody at that mm-hmm. time, Now
1: Had you done I was any, busy
2: doing college stuff. <laughs>
1: had you done, did you major in film?
2: No, I business school. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've never taken a film class in my life. Really? Completely self-taught, yeah.
1: Okay, so what led you to doing, had you done any investigative type uh, journalism or projects uh, around that time?
2: Uh, well, not in college, but after I got out of college, I started looking, started doing film independently mm-hmm. and I moved out to LA and I just kind of fell into documentaries mm-hmm. and I always liked crime related stuff, I guess, cause my dad had been a sheriff's deputy mm-hmm. and my mom was a, a 911 operator and later on a, a paralegal. So I just kind of grew up around the law. Mm-hmm. So I was always, I, I grew up hearing stories, you know, okay. legal stories. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I was always fascinated by it. And then, um, and then uh, I made a documentary called "The Six Degrees of Helter Skelter" about the Manson murders, and that was mm. my first documentary, and that was my first foray into uh, true crime in LA, especially LA-based wow, crime, wow. which was yep. you know. And there's a Hollywood aspect to that too, you know, entertainment aspect to that whole crime, of course, with Sharon Tate, yeah, and the Sunset Music Scene in the '60s, so. Yeah.
1: So when you do those type of projects, do you do your own research or do you take just bits and pieces of what's already out there and then put it together?
2: I do. Well, actually, I rely on experts. You know, when Mm -hmm. I did the histories of Helter Skelter, um, I made friends with a guy who was already one of the leading experts on the Manson murders. Mm -hmm. So it gives you a nice launching off point to have an expert to work with. And then of course I do my own research on top of that Mm -hmm. and verify what they're saying. But it was similar to when I started working with Greg, Mm -hmm. you know? um, And then of course he was totally open. He, here's all the case files. Mm -hmm. Here's, you know, 3000 plus PDFs. Mm -hmm. And, and I was free to look through them at, you know, as I, as I wanted. So I would do my own research and I would go to, I'd find something I'd go ask him about it Mm -hmm. or I'd go look in somewhere else. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I never took anything he took, for granted or, or t- just took his word for it. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to him the other day about this. I, mm-hmm. I was like, even we've gotten to be, you know, pretty good friends over the years. And I said, I still never take your word for it though. Do I, I always ask? Fact check him. Yeah. I sent, he, it was, yeah. does that document, send that document to me? Let me read it. Cause if I'm going to represent it to, to people, yeah. I want to be able to say, I saw it with my own eyes.
1: Right, right, right. No, that's, that's responsible journalism. Right. Um, so when you, when you were doing the, um, the Helter Skelter thing uh, with Charlie Manson, did you find out stuff that you didn't know or that that wasn't common knowledge that had been previously reported like once you start peeling back the layers?
2: Yeah, man, so much has been done on that case. It's mm-hmm. kind of similar to this. There's mm-hmm. a, not a many stones that haven't been turned mm-hmm. over with that case. Mm-hmm. And there's people that have focused on minute aspects of that story mm-hmm. that are they just there's always somebody that knows more about a part of that story than, you know, mm-hmm. Um but we, um, did we turn over anything new? I don't know so much as we presented it to get people in a, in a one package in one place where it mm-hmm. hadn't been presented before. Mm-hmm. And we focused a lot on locations where things had happened.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so, Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm curious, refresh me because sure. I, I was, cause that happened in the sixties, right? Yeah. Okay. What precipitated that whole crime? I mean, it was, what, what was, it was that? crazy.
2: It was crazy. So Manson, uh, had a hippie, you know, uh-huh. a commune, basically a hippie cult. Right. Uh, he was up in, um. He was up at Spawn Rants, kind of in the Chatsworth area, mm-hmm. and he basically doing a lot of drugs. Hey there,
0: ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again, because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level.
4: Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips.
0: So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.
2: And had a lot of girls around and he was a career criminal. He'd mm-hmm. been in and out of the system since he was a, a, a youth, mm-hmm. you know, a juvenile. And he was, you know, dealing drugs and running girls. And, you know, he, that's just who he was. He was a manipulative person, mm-hmm. but he wanted to be a rock star. Mm-hmm. And he made friends with Dennis Wilson, the drummer for the Beach Boys. And ended up kind of crashing at his house, uninvited, for a period of time. And the Beach Boys are trying to get him out. And Dennis Wilson thinks he's actually a decent musician. So Dennis Wilson takes him up to this yellow drive house where the murders ended up happening. But at the time, uh, a guy named Terry Melcher, who was Doris Day's son, is a big music producer. He was living there with his girlfriend, Candace Bergen, the actress. Mm-hmm. And so that's how that 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 address got into. His uh, mind. He starts going up there okay. to to play music for Terry Melcher, hoping uh, to get a record deal. Okay. And Terry's kind of like, "Uh, here's fifty bucks. Like, mm-hmm. you know, good luck to you." Well, Manson interpreted that as a down payment on a
1: record deal. Ah, uh, see, all this time I thought that it was random.
2: It was, sort of it, was. Yeah. So then he goes up there. Months go by. Terry Melcher moves out of the house. Mm-hmm. Polanski and Sharon Tate move in. And Manson doesn't know that. So he goes up there one day looking for Terry oh, Melcher again, wow. and he gets told they don't live here anymore. And he supposedly claims that when he went back to Spahn Ranch after that, he said that they treated him like dirt. Mm-hmm. That he didn't, they didn't show him their proper respect. Mm-hmm. And so what actually sparked the murders, I think, was um, they went uh, to try and rob a, mu- uh, a musician in... Um, Topanga Canyon, who they heard had done like a drug deal or had money or inherited money, Mm -hmm. or maybe there had been a drug deal gone wrong. It was something like that, but he didn't have the money. Mm -hmm. So they held him captive for several days and then they ended up murdering him. Mm -hmm. And a few days later, Bobby Beausoleil, who was Tarly's right-hand man, he was a a really good musician, he got arrested and charged with the murder. Mm -hmm. So the theory is, one of the theories is that Manson freaked out about that and wanted Bobby out. So he decided to stage some more murders to look like the murder of this music this music teacher. So they would think they had the wrong guy.
1: Oh, wow.
2: And so he, and so basically he got, you know, Tex Watson and the girls high on LSD one night and said, go up to the house where Terry Melcher used to live Mm -hmm. and kill everybody in it and kill everybody all the way down the street. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, make it, make it look witchy is the Mm -hmm. term he used. Squish their eyeballs on the walls, put blood Mm -hmm. on the walls, you know, make it look really terrible. And that's, Luckily, they didn't attack any other houses, but right. they slaughtered everybody in, in that house. And they did some pretty horrific shit. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah.
1: And, and Sharon Tate was pregnant at the time, right? She was
2: eight months pregnant. Wow. Yep. In fact, if, if, they, if they had gotten her medical attention, there's a chance that the baby would have lived. Mm-hmm. They could have you know, cut it out of you know, her womb. But yeah, that's how close she was to... Wow. She had come back from London because she was close to giving birth. hmm And you know, at a certain point, they don't let you fly anymore. So.
3: hmm Damn. And then there was the La Bianca martyrs right, too. Following night, yeah.
2: So the following night, they that was completely random. Mm-hmm. He had partied at the house next door a few times, mm-hmm. but he's like, "Oh, I can't go there because they can link that to me." So I'll go, I'll go one house over and just kill this random middle aged couple, and that's what he did. Charlie wow. went in, tied him up, came out, said, "You know." go in and finish it off. He never did the dirty work. He himself. had
1: those, those those women do it.
2: He had the women in Tex Watson do it.
1: Wow. Yep. Now, one of them, uh, I think, is about to get paroled or something, or did. Or,
2: uh, yeah. Bruce Davis recently, he was one of the guys. He It always gets shot down, the governor, because mm-hmm. parole, which I don't think it should be, but parole is up to the governor at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Parole board can recommend it, but the governor gets final say. And mm-hmm. what, gov- what politician especially a guy who's facing a recall mm-hmm. effort mm-hmm. is going to yeah. be like, Oh, I'm going to let the Manson family out. Right. Know? So I personally believe some of them have, have done their time. They've mm-hmm. been in prison for 50 some years. Yeah. There's others. I don't think should ever be let out for sure. Right. But there's a couple kind of side characters that I think are mainly still being held because yeah, of they're tied the Manson with, connection. Yeah. The, the brand. The political,
1: the uh, political exactly. part of it. Yep. Okay. So you do that project. And so that was your first investigative type project. project. Right. Where, where was that released?
2: That was uh, released by a company called Echo Bridge, and it was everywhere, man. It was in the $6 bin at Walmart for like a decade. <laughs> it was everywhere. <laughs> it was so many places. It was at Best Buy. It was on Amazon. You know, all the usual yeah. spots.
1: So it did well. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: It, probably the most successful, uh, you know, as far as selling units, probably the most successful film I ever made. It's the first one I ever did, just because the Manson thing is always,
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's crazy. Yeah. yeah.
1: And Manson's dead, by the way, right?
2: Yeah. Okay. He just died. He died okay. Yeah, he died a couple years ago. I think. Okay.
1: Okay. okay. Um, so then after you do the, the Manson project, what's, what's your next project after that?
2: So I made a, uh, a, World War II doc about my grandfather and Buchenwald, the concentration camp. Mm-hmm. Um, which also had obviously somewhat of a crime aspect to it. There was an investigative aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about uh, allied airmen who were shot down, hid with the French resistance, were trying to get back to their bases, got betrayed by a double agent, turned over to the Gestapo, and s- instead of being sent to a POW camp, were sent to a concentration camp where they were supposed to be executed mm-hmm. as terrorists. And it's all about how they fought to survive and, mm-hmm. and get out. So that was my next big mm-hmm. project. And you put that out? Yeah. Uh, that came out through, well, it was a military channel in the U S picked it up Mm -hmm. and then it went all over. It was uh, networks in the UK and Germany and Australia and New Zealand and yeah, it went everywhere.
1: Okay. So you kind of have an eclectic, uh, background you've, you know, in terms of investigative scenarios and situations,
2: crime, Hollywood and war, like my three Uh areas of like interest, I would say. Okay.
1: And so what, so what ultimately would lead you, because this is, because you started Murder Rap, what, some 20 years later?
2: Yeah, I started, well, I started Murder Rap in around 2013.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so now, lead, had you done, uh, that's what you did? You did a bunch of projects leading up to uh, Murder Rap?
2: Exactly, yeah. Okay. I always had a full-time job in the business. Okay. You know, and then okay. I would make documentaries on the side. Ah, okay. So it was like, it's almost like I and I self-fund all of them. So Mm -hmm. it was almost like I had a real job so that I could (laughs) fund my documentary making, you know? So
1: what piqued your interest?
2: Not being a hip hop guy Mm -hmm. and
1: not even being in the know of these two situations. What piqued your interest to say, you know what? I want to really find out what's going on and showcase that to the world.
2: A good story is a good story. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter the -hmm. backgrounds of the character. And this is like Shakespearean level Mm -hmm. drama. Yeah, um, and also just how, uh, all the competing theories around it mm-hmm. and, um, and just the, uh, the idea that I would be able to, um, look at this case harder than anybody outside of law enforcement had ever looked at it. Mm-hmm. That was like, I couldn't pass that up.
1: Mm-hmm. Why did you um, feel like you had more leverage to look at it more than law enforcement?
2: Well, I would say more, more than people outside of law enforcement. Yeah. Um, because I had, I got the case files Okay, and those are things that, you know, you can't get. Even if you do like a FOIA request, they're not going to just give you all the unredacted, you know, Uh documents and stuff like that.
1: Oh, so uh, you got unredacted stuff. Exactly. Oh, damn. You got all the secrets, all the dirt.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Taped interviews, all of it. Yeah. Um, But I'm also, I'm very... I'm very responsible mm-hmm. with that. And you know, if you watch the stuff I put out, I always censor names and stuff. And I'm yeah. sure I don't, if it's a name on a document that I know has never had any connection to this case mm-hmm. in any other way, except that one thing, they just mm-hmm. randomly got mentioned. I don't put that out there cause I don't want to put people.
1: Exactly. You know, I don't want to bring exactly. that to them, you know? Did you ever feel any looming danger being involved with
2: any of this? Absolutely. Really? Yeah. When uh, murder rap came out, I moved mm-hmm. into a, like a more secure building. Cause I didn't know what their action was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I knew, you know, some powerful people were going to not like it. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I never had any issues. We got a one big legal threat was the only thing we ever got.
1: Oh, okay. So you never got any like street nope. pressure and anything like nope,
2: that? No, nope, no, nope, nope. no, no bullets on my doorstep or anything Okay, like that. No, no, no warnings. <laughs>
1: <laughs> would you have to still pursued it if it had, it went there? If you had got those threats or felt? Yeah, I'm, I'm, angel- stubborn.
2: I, I, I'm stubborn. I'm stubborn. I would have made me want to do it more, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. That's just how I am.
1: What was your motivation for getting it? Was it just to tell the truth or just your artistic expression of a good story?
2: Good story and let's get to the truth. Mm -hmm. Wherever, you know, like Unsolved says, wherever it leads.
1: Okay. So truth. So Tupac, in this situation, Tupac gets killed first. Mm -hmm. Bad conspiracies. Um, We pretty much know what happened. But when you say truth, Mm -hmm. what is the unadulterated truth of what happened with Tupac? Per your um, investigative, you got sure. to see everything that the law enforcement seen, and 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 then some probably, and talking sure. to people. What is the the truth?
2: Tupac was a loyal person, and he, he was. If you had his back, I think um, he had your back, mm-hmm. and I think that that unfortunately, that loyalty is what led to him getting killed because he got involved in a gang beef. That otherwise didn't have anything to do with him, mm-hmm. but it did involve, you know, his new friends that he had made at death row mm-hmm. and these mob pyrus and mm-hmm. and that he was around, and they had his back. And I think I don't know what was going through his head that night in Las Vegas exactly, but I suspect. But but Orlando Anderson, uh, Southside Crip, mm-hmm. a known shooter, had suspected of committing other murders, um, was described to me uh, as a, by another um, pyro as basically being crazy almost mm-hmm. like he would shoot like the kind of guy that would shoot your house up for mm-hmm. nothing. Like, you know, not that he did, but like there was that kind of yeah. guy. You didn't know what he was yeah, going to do. Cannon. Kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. And you know, uh, like MC eight said in an interview, he said, you know, if you walk up and punch a guy, you don't know if he's killed nobody or if he's killed 20 people. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, Tupac even knew who this guy was or what his background was he just knew that he had a beef with Trayvon Lane one of the Pyrus, and they had apparently made up their mind after this despite that it happened at a mall mm-hmm. the next time we see Orlando Anderson it's on
1: mm-hmm. let and me, that next I'm sorry time not to cut you PM. off yeah. let me ask you this because this was always disputed so the f-
0: who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage egg and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cut off Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: Right at the mall, mm-hmm. with Trayvon, and it was over the chain. Right. Did the chain get snatched or did it not get snatched?
2: So the first thing I heard was that it got grabbed. Mm-hmm. And then I think what happened was it got grabbed in the scuffle and then Trayvon got it back. Okay. So it was it's both. It was okay. taken from him, but then he was able to grab it back. Okay. And they also, um, I believe they tried to get, he had an MOB ring. Okay. And they tried to get that and they, they couldn't get that off of me. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. Cause I know it was kind of some discrepancies with that. Because mm-hmm. I think I remember uh Reggie Wright kind of disputing that. You right. Know what I mean, saying that no, nobody got the change snatched. Right. So I guess in essence it, he it's was right.
2: Both are true. Yeah. <laughs> in a way. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> right. and that's what led to the confusion, I think.
1: Okay, okay. So Vegas. He he he, Pac steps into uh, a gang beef that has nothing to do with him.
2: Yeah, and you know, I think Trayvon got unfairly um you know, kind of painted. Yeah. For kind that. of villainized. So, like they, they've made it out that like Trayvon, like whispered in his ear, like to go fight mm-hmm. that guy for him. Not mm-hmm. obviously that is not how Trayvon or any of those guys right. acted. They're not going to tell an artist mm-hmm. to go do a fight, for go fight somebody for them. Right. I think what happened was, um, they all, the, the gangsters noticed Orlando Anderson standing there and they get together. Like there he is right there. Mm-hmm. And, and Tupac's like, what we're you looking at? Mm-hmm. And that's when Trayvon was like, that's that's Orlando. That's the mm-hmm. guy we've been talking about. And not knowing Tupac's going to spin and right. go after the guy. And they were like, oh, we right. got to like, catch up with him. Mm-hmm. And Tupac just took it upon himself. And I think he said something like, you know, you're from the South or whatever. And there's yeah. a reference to South Side and, okay. and punched him. Wow. And sealed his fate right there. Okay. Yeah.
1: So we we are we all know the whole world saw the video. You yep. know, they stomp him out, whatever the case may be. Uh, Tupac and and you know and the entourage they leave, and so then there's a lot that goes on in between that. Right. So, what what happens after that? The scuffle.
2: So we have several informants and we have uh, witnesses who um were there. Let me clarify:
1: when you say informants, you mean death row informants?
2: We have a, an informant who was there that night who I don't, and I, I don't think I even know the person's name. They're kind of coded in the, yeah. in the thing, but there and there was an informant who was there because there was a there was a group of, not death row, but on the Crip mm-hmm. side. Okay. You had Crips together and you have some New Yorkers together because you have Zip Martin is also right. there and he's got some New Yorkers with him. Okay. So you have a mix of Compton Crips and New Yorkers with Zip were all right, together, right? Right, And so somebody who was in that mix, mm-hmm. you know, said that they overheard Zip say, you know, we have artillery out here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got a gun if you need it, if right? You need to get one. And um, Corey Edwards, who was, um, He always denied, I think, that he was a Southside Crip, but he was at least friends with all of them. Mm -hmm. He's the one that claimed that, you know, he was at a bar with Orlando immediately after the fight and Orlando's all beat up. And in his original statement back in the 90s, he said, oh, you know, Orlando wasn't that mad and whatever. Mm -hmm. And people have always took that to be an alibi that Corey was with Orlando at the bar when Mm -hmm. the shooting happened. But if you read the rest of his statement, Corey then says he left the bar he left Orlando sitting there and went to the lobby and had an argument with his girlfriend and then went up to the room and was up the room for a while and by the time he came back down Orlando was gone and people told him Tupac had just been shot mm-hmm. so that he wasn't an alibi mm-hmm. then murder rap comes out and Keefy tells his story and Corey then gets interviewed by I think Crump mm-hmm. Ben Crump for one of the I think A and E maybe. Mm-hmm. And then he he kinda came clean because Keefe had said in his in his thing that yeah, Corey went with us mm-hmm. to six six two when we were trying to look for him. And then eventually we ditched Corey and some of the guys and went off on our own. But he went he went with us initially. Corey then confirmed that to Crump that yeah. And he says in reality, Orlando Anderson was super mad, obviously. Yeah. And Corey is trying to talk him into, Hey man, you know, we're here to party. <laughs> like yeah. it's fight nine Vegas. Like let's just let's in you know, let's deal with it when we get home. And he says Orlando Anderson said, you know, if it was you, would you wait? Mm hmm. And of was like, well,
1: so they go to six, six, two and mob, James, Big J sees them. Outside. Right.
2: He says he sees the Crips out in the mm-hmm. parking lot. And I believe by this point they had heard that there'd been a fight. Mm-hmm. So they knew that something was up. But and I asked him, I said, weren't you guys expecting retaliation for what had happened? And he said, yeah, but uh, not a shooting. Mm-hmm. It was disproportionate to. What had happened. He said, We thought there'd be a fight at the club that night. Right. So everybody was kind of on alert for that. So when we saw the Crips and the, saw the Crips and the parking lot, there it is. Like, it's going to be a scuffle. You right. You know what I mean? So
1: I don't know how they could think that, though. You know what I mean? Given, given
2: Orlando's <laughs> reputation. Yeah. Given Orlando's well, and also just the mid 90s.
3: Yes. That's what I'm saying. All time high.
1: Yeah. You know.
2: Maybe they thought yeah. we're partying in Vegas. They
1: probably thought that maybe you know? they didn't have nothing because they're out the hood. Right. Maybe just thought that, okay, they ain't got no guns.
2: And even Keefe said they just went out there to, party, they didn't bring, they didn't, they didn't have a gun. They had to get, right. you know, according to him, they had to get it from Zip. So okay. that would have been a correct assumption. They were just out there to have a good time like mm-hmm. everybody else was. So
1: Right, right. So they go up to 662, which, who's in the car? It's, it's Orlando, um, Keefe, mm-hmm. and then the other, who are the other two? So
2: when they go to 662, you, in the white Cadillac, you have Ter- Terry Brown, mm-hmm. uh, Terrence Brown, T. Brown, uh, in the f- driving, you have Orlando Anderson, and you have DeAndre Smith, mm-hmm. uh, Big Dre. And then... And Keefe's in a van with some other guys. Mm -hmm. And then they finally start realizing they're drawing attention. And plus police are there directing traffic and handling, you know, crowd control. Mm -hmm. They're like, this is not a good place for us to be. So they leave. Mm -hmm. And they go up to a bar, uh, a uh, liquor store up the block. And that's where most of the crew is like, look, man, like we don't really, we're not here for this. We got girls and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever else back in the hotel, like, let's go. We're here to party. Like, we don't really want to do this. And supposedly Corey was kind of freaking out. Like, they're, you know, they're going to kill us. Mm-hmm. Like, let's like, what are we doing? And so that's when Keefe ditched those guys and climbed into Cadillac mm-hmm. with the other three guys. And they were like, we'll go off on our own. Okay. And that's when they ran into Suge. And
1: so when they, on so on. it was just by chance. So yeah. when, when Keefe and them left six six two, they were like, okay, fuck it. Let's go about our night.
2: Yeah. And they, it's just fate. The they th- start, something. they start driving, they're driving back to the strip mm-hmm. and they just happen to catch Suge and Tupac and their whole car, you know, entourage mm-hmm. coming off the strip. Mm-hmm. And they're like, there they go right there and girls are shouting their name. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody, they're making a big, you know, they're making a lot of noise and, mm-hmm. you know, drawing attention to themselves. And there they are. They mm-hmm. flipped a, a, an illegal U-turn and caught up with them at the next light.
1: Wow. And, and it was Orlando, uh, ultimately in the backseat. Right, it leaned over whoever was in the...
2: He was, uh, Orlando was sitting in on Keefe's side. So on the passenger side, mm-hmm. DeAndre Smith was on the driver's side. So mm-hmm. they pull up, DeAndre Smith's in the best position. Mm-hmm. And Keefe claimed that he went, he handed the gun to DeAndre and DeAndre was like, mm-hmm. I came along for the kind of, I came along for the ride, but I'm not going to yeah. pull the trigger kind of thing. Right. And Orlando was like, you know, I'll do it. Give it yeah. to me. And he reached over DeAndre and wow, did the shooting. Yeah.
1: So Orlando shoots, dude. Okay. He shoots Tupac. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, did they even know that did they say or is there information that, that they know that they hit them at that at that time that they know that, OK, we got them.
2: I don't think they knew, no. Mm-hmm. Keefe, um, Keefe saw Suge kind of ducking down mm-hmm. and um, and saw kind of saw the shooting happen, but I don't think they had they knew what damage they did. And if you look, I mean, the damage is, they sprayed the whole side of the car. I mean, right. Bullets going into the back seat, mm-hmm. you know, the back door, there's bullets in the windshield, mm-hmm. like it's like a seven foot bullet spread, you know, right. bullets rounds went into the parking lot across the street. Mm-hmm. So it's just a hail of bullets. And so I don't think they knew initially. Mm-hmm. until then, you know, reports come out that he's in the hospital.
1: So, but, you know, I seen Keefe D said that Suge always knew who it was because he said that they made eye contact and yep. Keefe and Suge grew up together.
2: Right. They played uh, football together as right. kids. Right. Suge, uh, I think, was an offensive lineman. And I think Keefe was the running back mm-hmm. on the same football team. Keefe used to go to Suge's parents' house and for barbecues, right. team parties and stuff. Like, yeah, they knew each other for right. sure. Yeah. Right.
1: So Suge never divulged. He never told law enforcement anything. Nope. And he knew exactly who it was.
2: That's According to Keefe, he absolutely knew. Yeah. And I've also heard that um, Heron, who was one of the pirates, right. he was, I heard that he was um the first person to go back from the week, and he went back the next day. Mm-hmm. He got back to Compton, and the first people that the inner circle, the pirates and everything, heard who did it from was him, and he said it was the Crips. Mm-hmm. He said it was Southside. I don't think he specifically said Orlando, but mm-hmm. Southside did it. Mm-hmm. And that's how it—I mean, so it was within 12 hours of it mm-hmm. happening. People in Compton started hearing about this.
1: Wow. And so once that happened, violence starts erupting in Compton. Right. Instantly. Yeah. So how many people got hit in Compton?
2: Who got hit? Um, none of none of the people involved in the actual murder mm-hmm. got right. hit. Uh, I know that there was a shooting. Um, one of the other shot callers of one of the other Southside Crip sets was hit. Uh, he, he survived. And um, another guy who... Um, was not even uh, affiliated, Mm -hmm. but lived, I think next door to Corey Edwards Mm -hmm. was shot in his front yard. And it's, it's theorized that that might've been mistaken identity that Mm -hmm. they might've been going after Corey Mm -hmm. and this guy, got hit instead. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was more, and then, you know, Compton police is hearing from all their informants. Mm-hmm. The Crips are openly bragging. Mm-hmm. Orlando Anderson is openly bragging about this. Wow. The whole neighborhood knows that they did this. Wow. And so they, and now they know the gang war is happening and it's mm-hmm. coming. And that's when they said, we're going to do raid like 30 houses mm-hmm. and make arrests if we need to, but we got to shut this down yeah, before it gets any worse. Right. You know, but also it's, people ask, well, why didn't, you know, the pyrues get revenge? Mm. Look, the, the Crips are not stupid. Gang members are not stupid in this situation. They're going to lay low. Right. They're not going to, they're not going to be sitting in front of their house waiting for someone to drive by. Yeah.
1: No. Nah. So,
2: and they know anybody, any car that comes up and down the street yeah. that's driving slow and it's got the windows down. Yeah. You know, it's not as e- if you went
1: on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat. Then that wasn't a road trip; it was just a really long drive.
2: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's, easy to do as maybe people on the outside think it would be. Yeah, yeah. So let me.
1: So being that all of this is pretty much common sense, we know how to. If you're from the streets, you know how they work. Law enforcement knew this. Where do you think that all the conspiracy? theories, I mean, started, like, how can you even make sense of that for the conspiracy of, oh, <sighs> Suge had it done, oh, Suge sacrificed him and all, you know, all the crazy shit. Right. Where do you think that came from? Or is that just the people in the public just sensationalizing it?
2: Where did that come from? I know um, Russell Poole, I know, theorized that mm-hmm. Suge had set it up. Mm-hmm. So I think he may have been one of the originators of that theory that Mm -hmm. it was a, which is so silly to have, to Suge would sit in the car next to the guy and be the backstop for all the bullets. I mean, he came that close, (laughs) inches away from being killed himself. In fact, I think one of the shows, like A&E or somebody, they recreated it with like a sharpshooter and dummies. And he instantly killed the Suge dummy. Like it was, there was, it was pure luck that he didn't get hit. Oh, he
3: got grazed in the head. And he did. He got,
2: they don't, and they don't know if he got hit with a bullet or like a, a. Part fragment. of a jacket or a yep. fragment or a mm-hmm. piece of glass or what. But yeah, he was hit in the head and wounded. Mm-hmm. In fact, Tupac T- T- initially after the shooting was worried about Suge. Right, right. Because he's got that. blood point out of his mm-hmm. head, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't worry about me. Like, you're the one whose head's bleeding. Wow. Yeah.
1: So, so the conspiracies would just, so it started with kind of Russell, Russell Poole and just people's just being, I guess, enamored with, you know what I mean? The whole incident and just something to talk Uh, about.
2: I mean, I think it's human nature to not accept the, the easy official story, right? Right. It's got to be something deeper, Mm -hmm. you know, and then the stuff starts coming out about Tupac was going to leave the label, Mm -hmm. but that was all, that was sanctioned. Suge knew that. And, and from what I've heard, Suge wanted people, wanted his artists to grow Mm -hmm. and branch out. And still, you know, Death Row would be the central hub to this expanding kingdom, you know. And if you look, you can actually see um, where Tupac's, his company, was actually registered. And you can still look up mm-hmm. the company registration records. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the address for it is like a few blocks away from Death Row's offices. It was so he wasn't right? running away. Euthanasia. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. If you look at where it was registered, it's just a few blocks away from where. Yeah. She, so it, that's not someone who's like... Leaving that all behind and running right, out. Right. He's just, you know.
1: Right. So
2: fulfilling his contract, and now he's going to branch out and do bigger things.
1: hmm So Tupac dies, I think, when was it? September?
2: September. September 96, yeah.
1: Okay, September 96. So, what, within a year or six to eight months?
2: About six months, Biggie gets killed. Right. Yeah. Right. March of 97.
1: Okay. Did Orlando get killed before or after Biggie?
2: Orlando was still alive. Orlando was killed about a year and a half after Tupac's murder.
1: Right. Right. So about six months later, uh, Biggie gets killed. Right. Right. And so we, we know Orlando killed Pac. Okay. So Biggie, so I'm, and this is a question I'm asking. Sure. So how did, because I, I, cause I know some of the inner workings. How did Puffy come to conveniently, you know, be associated with Southside? I mean, he's from New York. And, you know, how is it out of all the sets mm-hmm. in L.A., you just conveniently right. become associated and affiliated with, you know, Suge's primary rival right. neighborhood? Like, was that on purpose or just by chance?
2: It was by chance. And uh, supposedly, uh, allegedly, it was through Zip Martin. Okay. Zip Martin already had a bi- a business relationship with the Southside Crips, mm-hmm. and the the back at that time, uh, cocaine especially mm-hmm. from West Coast to the East Coast, you could double your money. on a kilo, mm-hmm. you could buy it here for like twelve or thirteen thousand and sell mm-hmm. it over in New York for twenty five. Right. So. That's what was happening. Okay. And so I, I, I believe what it was was Zip was involved in a, a you know, a East Coast, West Coast drug trafficking ah. situation with the Crips. And that's where I think it became, well, I just happen to know mm. guys out there. Because I think kind of what happened was Suge, in, in essence, kind of pulled Bad Boy's card for the mm-hmm. West Coast after mm-hmm. Tupac got killed. Mm-hmm. You can't come out here anymore. Right. And, or even before that, um, back when Jake Robles was murdered, mm-hmm. that started up. And so you can't run a, a hip hop label and not be able to come to L.A. Right. Right. But you know, so he had to be able to find a way to come out here. And so I think that's
1: so puffy elected to, you know, let's align ourselves with these street guys, you know, uh, with zip and then through zip came Keefe.
2: Yeah. Zip and Keefe were the ones that had the relationship and Keefe claims that zip would just kind of roll into the neighborhood and say, Hey, come on, we're going to the Mm -hmm. Anaheim or San Diego or wherever. Mm -hmm. And Keefe would round up 30 guys and they'd all get tickets. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was a nice perk for all of them and they'd go down there. And the point of that was supposedly was that you have uh, your professional security. You could have, you know, the best Navy SEALs in the world. Mm -hmm. They're not going to recognize a gang member from Compton. Right. Not from the neighborhood. Right. So I think the idea was to have this extra layer of Mm -hmm. guys there, what what Reggie Wright called homeboy security, Mm -hmm. that can say, keep an eye on those 10 guys in the crowd. Mm -hmm. Those guys are not here Mm -hmm. for good intentions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So... Okay. So now with the Biggie thing. So, okay. So Biggie was being investigated at the time. Right. By the NYPD and the IRS. Correct. Why?
2: So I, as far as I can, I mean, there's a lot of different reasons it could have been, uh-huh. but there, there was an NYPD detective with their major crimes unit who had him under surveillance in LA in mm-hmm. the days leading up to the murder. Right. And his, um... He claimed that it was based on a raid that had happened at Biggie's home, Mm -hmm. that it started with a parking violation and blew up into a drug raid because the cop that knocked on his door to say, you got to move these vehicles, smelled marijuana smoke. And that led to a raid on his house. And they found guns and marijuana and that. And this detective from New York claimed that that sounds like a small thing, but in his experience in law enforcement, sometimes little things like that are the tip of the iceberg. And he says, if you kind of start pulling that thread, sometimes you find out there's something bigger going on.
1: That's bullshit. Yeah, and so that's so, that was
2: his ex, that was his excuse. Bullshit. Yeah, that's bullshit <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. because that sounds like some hip hop police shit. that's basically what it was. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. It doesn't make sense. I
2: think he was like one of those original. That, yeah. William Oldham, I think he was one of those original, you know, hip hop cops. Yeah,
1: and who guys, and who right. approved the man hours for him to do right. that? So we find <laughs> some, you know, personal use marijuana in New and, York. And we're going to, you know, okay the budget right. to pay you to follow him to And LA. that
2: Boy wasn't doing anything out here. They were yeah. just promoting and going to parties mm-hmm. and recording videos and going on the radio. Like, they weren't, mm-hmm. these guys are watching them do nothing yeah. illegal, basically. So, right, yeah, right. It was a total waste. I and it's, yeah. it's
1: such a, I mean, you know, I hate to say it. Well, I don't hate to say it, but it, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a racial component there, too. Because sure. my thing is, you know, they work, in essence, for Arista, you know what i mean mm-hmm. so you know they're being funded by arista so if there's if you're going to investigate something you know, go to the office of Arista and and say, hey, are y'all paying these people? You know, how are they doing right. what they're doing, or whatever the case may be. Sure. You know, so that in itself is bullshit. But mm-hmm. you know, I digressed a bit. But um,
2: so, but long story it, short, they were out here. Yeah. Whether it was for legitimate reasons yeah, or not, yeah. they had them under surveillance. Okay. Uh, they had them under surveillance the night before the murder outside mm-hmm. the Soul Train Awards. Mm-hmm. In fact, this detective posed as a photographer mm-hmm. and got on the the red carpet mm-hmm. uh, there at the event. <laughs> actually, yeah,
3: it's crazy, right? Really? Yep. That's crazy. Over some
1: weed. That's crazy. Even <laughs> personal. That's... Okay.
2: <laughs> and I don't... What was he going to... I don't... What is he going to see at a, at a... I don't know what he thought he was going to see on a red a carpet. At a red carpet. At a step... Are you going to see some, like, illegal activity happen in front of all the camp? I don't understand. Yeah, like, that what. doesn't make sense. It may have just... Although, I guess, in his perspective, it may have been, let's see who their associates are. Okay. That's usually what it's about. It's, let's see
3: who, who are they... Yeah, meeting up with,
1: yeah, that's how they try to create oh, conspiracies.
3: Create, exactly. But even on the step and repeat, right. you're not going to get like crime <laughs> associates, right? Exactly, you're going to get whatever celebrities, exactly. You know what I mean, right. yeah, that's right, crazy. Right, right.
1: Yeah. so you had all of this surveillance out there. So we have you have LAPD, you have Biggie Security, and we mm-hmm. have the IRS and the NYPD all out in this general area,
2: yeah, you have, and you have, um, you have Inglewood. PD, mm-hmm. uh, officers like Reggie Blaylock mm-hmm. who are working security as part of big security. He's mm-hmm. just hired, you know, hired mm-hmm. gun for the, for the night. Mm-hmm. And he ends up being a witness to the murder the next night. So you have a mix of Inglewood police officers. You have LAPD showing up to talk to the NYPD guys. Like, what are you doing here? You, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't know you had an operation going on mm-hmm. and you got NYPD and you got IRS federal right. agents. So yeah.
1: Right. And, Puffy and Biggie, they were none the wise. The the The, the team was none the, bad boy was none well, the wiser. Well,
2: too. What happened was, um, so a gang detective from South Division in LA mm-hmm. finds out that this, there's a surveillance operation going mm-hmm. on. Because another sergeant who's working the event has seen, has been contacted by this guy. Mm-hmm. So he decides, I'm going to call this gang detective. Like, what are these guys doing here? That guy says, I don't know. I'm going to go down and talk to him. So he rolls up and finds the guys doing the surveillance from New York. Mm-hmm. And he sees who they're taking pictures of and he sees puff and big security team hanging out by the vehicles, waiting Mm -hmm. for them to come out. Mm -hmm. And he recognizes Reggie Blaylock, the Mm -hmm. England police officer. Mm -hmm. And that's when he makes a decision. If you guys are maybe about to make an arrest or do make some kind of move, I need to warn that police officer Mm -hmm. because they're in plain clothes. You guys are in plain clothes guns. I I can tell they're armed. I can see bulges in their jackets. Mm -hmm. This could turn into a, if they don't know who you are and you don't know who they are, this could turn into a catastrophe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of like what happened with Frank Liga and Kevin Gaines, basically Mm -hmm. not even recognizing that they're cops. Right. So he went over and and warned them. And I don't know if him warning them led to Puff knowing about this or if Mm -hmm. they already knew, but supposedly, uh, Puffy came out and when he, he looked across the street or looked over at the, the, Agents from F from New York and waved, and oh, they wow. went back. And
0: everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Pa pa
2: pa pa was
0: that okay. Was it. Okay, wow. <laughs> so that's
2: like kind of a, like a baller move, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, kind of yeah. like he's hey, kind of
1: flexing on them a exact, little.
2: Exactly. That's yeah. what it seems like. Yeah, yeah. That's my interpretation. Yeah.
1: So. So what happened? So now, okay, they're leaving. So walk me through that, what the, what the report says. I mean, that, what happened?
2: So that, that night ends, you know, everybody goes their separate ways. Um, I think Big goes back to his hotel, Puff goes to Burger, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's just kind of the end of the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the NYPD wraps up their, well, at least the, the main detective, he has to fly home the next day because mm-hmm. he has to testify at a case in Brooklyn. And so he says he left a couple guys behind, but he's adamant that nobody was at the party the next night, mm-hmm. um, which is possible because I don't think that was really a planned thing. I think that was kind of a last minute day of decision for mm-hmm. for Bad Boy to go to the Peterson party. So uh, he's he's adamant that they were not there that night and nobody witnessed you know the the murder when it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next night. Um, they kind of bounce around from a couple parties and they end up at the Peterson and they roll into the Peterson and they're there for like, I think a couple hours. And then, um, more, the Peterson party, way more people showed up than they were prepared for. Mm -hmm. And I think the event organizers didn't really have enough security to handle everybody. Mm -hmm. And they're having to turn people away at the door and people not getting in are starting to get mad. Mm -hmm. And you had, you have some active gang members who are there and it's just getting to be a bad scene. So eventually around like midnight or so, Uh, the Peterson requests to have like, we gotta, you gotta get all these people out of here and fire department rolls in and shuts it down for, you know, being over capacity or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so the party gets shut down. It takes about half an hour or so from then before they actually are in their cars and leaving Mm -hmm. because they got to get out and then they're hanging out in the garage area on the first floor, just outside the doors waiting for their vehicles to be brought around. And, you know, they're taking pictures with fans. They're talking to girls, you know, Puff supposedly inviting girls to their, you know, Mm -hmm. they come to our next party with us, whatever. And, uh, while this is happening, uh, their security team are noticing a couple of individuals that are, suspicious to them striped shirt there's a guy in a striped shirt is one of them um who is seen kind of mad dogging them Mm -hmm. and uh he at one point kind of purposefully walks right through their group kind of as a you know
1: yeah yeah exactly
2: and then eugene deal also spots this guy and this is the famous spotting Mm -hmm. of a guy in a blue suit in a bow tie who kind of starts walking toward him and puffy's vehicle and he's got a handkerchief in his hand Mm -hmm. and G deal. I think kind of flashes his piece at the guy and the mm-hmm. guy turns around and walks away. Mm-hmm. And so that has always been the focus of, was that the shooter? Right. Um, but the description doesn't match his suit color. Doesn't match what Biggie's driver said he saw. Mm-hmm. So there's some discrepancy. So we don't know, if that was the shooter or not, mm-hmm. or if it was someone connected to the shooter mm-hmm. or if it was just completely random, mm-hmm. but nation of Islam were there doing security that night. They'd been at the soul train awards the night before mm-hmm. there was a, the hotel in La Cienega that's now the SLS. Mm-hmm. It used to be called the Nico. Right. And so their security team there had hired guys and some of them ended up were, were in who to work to, with the celebrities that were staying at their hotel. Mm-hmm. It was like a perk, I guess, to offer the celebrities some private security to go with them. So there were NOI guys there, that we know were dressed in this same attire. Okay. So did he see one of them? Was it a random person or was it someone tied to the shooting? Was it the shooter mm-hmm. or was it somebody conspiring with the shooter? That is, none of that has ever been mm-hmm. you know, proven.
1: So the guy, So is, so no sense has ever been made of who the striped shirt guy was?
2: No, oh. there's some good theories about it. Um, What what are some of the theories? Has has he been identified? He's never been positively identified. No. The only thing, the only identification was that um, I think uh, uh, Uh D-Rock, I think he, I'd said, that's the guy that I saw. In the garage,
1: and D Rock is Biggie's best friend, best
2: friend who yeah. was also doing security. I okay. think it was I think it was D Rock who said that. Mm-hmm. I, I could be confusing names, but I think it was him. And he said that uh, that he, he said he looked at the video and said the guy in a striped shirt. That's the guy I saw. But nobody still don't they just still don't know who he is though. Okay, so
1: but obviously he wasn't. He may have been involved, but obviously most he likely was the not the shooter because the shooting came out of the Impala.
2: Right, okay. unless he went and hopped in a car. Okay, And sped up. But then he's not wearing a suit and a bow tie either. He's wearing just a striped kind of polo shirt type. He's
1: not Superman. He can't change. No, no, exactly. So um, I
2: don't think he had anything to do with it at most, maybe a spotter. But I I think it was more he he was doing his own thing. Okay, Kind of coincidence. It was just a coincidence. He, He looked he's unfriendly to them. And yeah. not knowing there's, these guys are about to get
3: shot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's also heightened high tension. I, I don't imagine there was one singular group that was upset at that particular everybody, time. Yeah. Right. And,
2: and, and like I, I pointed out on a video I made, they're a half a mile east of Death Row's offices. Right. They are in Death Row's backyard. Yeah. Partying six months after Tupac is killed, and they they think they won.
1: And not Tupac's only Tupac's dead, Shug's in prison. And not only that, you're in Los Angeles. Yeah. Right. So, you know, people, he could have just been somebody that's just from L.A. Sure. Like, hey, right. you know, y'all the ops. Y'all right. should be out here.
3: <laughs> right. You know, Absolutely. so. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Death Row was the, I mean, Pac was the martyr for yeah. L.A. Right. rap music. Right. Even though he's not, he's from everywhere. hmm
2: And, you know, and Big coming out and going on the radio. Yeah. And do was a long kiss good night on the radio was.
1: And is it true that Big was receiving threats before the, his time out here. I
2: haven't seen anything about that. I don't okay. know if it's true or not. Okay. Wouldn't surprise me.
1: Okay. I'm just, they put it in the movie, so I didn't know if mm. it was just, you know, sensationalized. Yeah,
2: I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if that's true or not. Yeah. Okay. It's possible though.
1: So, so the Impala,
2: the,
1: so it's a guy in the suit. Mm-hmm. That's who, does somebody actually uh, identify the guy with the suit shooting out the Impala?
2: Yes. Both, uh, Little Cease And, uh, G-Money, who was the driver, they, Mm -hmm. I think they both said it was a guy in a suit and a bow tie. Okay. Uh, Cease couldn't remember what the guy's jacket, what his suit color was. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the driver, G-Money said it was either light gray or a cream color. It was a light colored suit, Mm -hmm. which doesn't match what deals, Eugene saw on the, Mm -hmm. you know, outside the garage. He said the guy was in a suit that was like a medium blue color. Mm -hmm. So that's a discrepancy. But again, the shooting happened so fast. Right. Most of the witnesses ducked and didn't see anything. Right. Uh, the other two guys that were in big van ducked, you know, D-Rock said he was looking straight ahead mm-hmm. when it happened. And then he just heard the shots and ducked down. And when mm-hmm. he looked up, the car was gone. Same thing for the, you know, the, the guys in the, the first Suburban with Biggie or with Puff, uh, Puff. It happened so fast. Mm-hmm. Seconds.
1: How many shots were fired?
2: I think it was six shots.
1: Okay. How many hit Biggie?
2: I think he was hit twice. Okay. Um, although I think, I think there were multiple
1: you know, yeah pathways, impact, pathways yeah. that it went through yeah, yeah i think yeah.
2: two were like direct hits yeah okay okay one fatal
1: okay the what, what was the fatal
2: shot it, it, i think it, it passed i cuz i think he he kind of he kind of leaned over mm-hmm. and it kind of passed kind of up his leg And up through and it just hit kind of everything. Oh wow! And I think it nicked his heart, and that was wow. And it's you know you hear them on the nine one one tapes rushing him to the hospital, and but I think the doctor said he probably was gone within a couple minutes. Wow. So I mean, it's possible he was gone before they even left.
1: So so him and Tupac both were killed with forty calibers.
2: Uh no Biggie was shot with a 9mm. Wow, 9 did that. Yeah, but they were um high velocity okay. rounds. Okay. Um that were popular with gang members at the time for drive-by shootings cuz you want to penetrate yeah you know, metal you want to penetrate sheet metal and stuff, I think so ah. they would use these high velocity rounds um supposedly reportedly were a brand called gecko, okay. which was a, I think a German brand, okay, wow, and they but very high velocity, really more suited for submachine guns, okay. um, I've read up on them quite a bit, and they're uh because they're so uh. Because they're so, um, they're called a hot round mm-hmm. because they're so hot, they will beat your handguns. They'll beat them up over time. Right. You should right. use them a lot. You'll have to replace. Parts. So it's,
1: so it's a fast round. Yes. Fast moving round. Yep. Yeah. And it's,
2: and it's uh steel jacket. A okay. Full metal jacket.
1: I see. I never really trusted nine millimeters
2: <laughs> you know,
1: because of that. You know, Stopping power is not great you know, for them. People will no. get hit with nines and keep coming with
2: adrenaline. Especially or on, on something PCP yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 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 Yep.
1: What do you think
0: about
3: Nye? <laughs> I mean, I love him, personally. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very versatile, round. Got to be.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can appreciate it, but you know. Um, okay, so they the the Impala hits um, the suburban. Biggie takes the he takes the shots. Mm-hmm. He, he passes away. He passed away that night.
2: Right, he was declared dead at like one fifteen a.m. in the morning. at at cedar sinai hospital all right so i got they worked on them and they just but there was they couldn't save
3: them i got an interesting question because there's the conspiracies on it being an organized hit sure and and we and there's all the conspiracies around pock but we kind of know what that is Mm -hmm. here's my question that i've never seen answered pox uh the spray pattern is clearly an amateur in pox shooting right they shoot up everything right with biggie is it the same or is it concentrated
2: it's still, you can see it still goes down his door. Mm-hmm. He, he, it only is in his door though, mm-hmm. but it's still probably about three feet across grouping. Mm-hmm. Cause you can tell he probably started driving yeah, forward as right. he shot. Right. And then I think the fatal round was the last one. And he kind of leaned, you can tell from the trajectory, mm-hmm. he kind of leaned back and fired one last round mm-hmm. before he, Took mm-hmm. Off the rest of the way,
3: so I, I mean, it was definitely, but no random rounds in different buildings and mm-hmm. parking lots. I don't think so. Other I, doors. I think a one round may have passed
2: through and ended up in the bank building. There's like a, a high rise building across. The, I think maybe a round may have hit that, but no, it all stayed. And plus, it's nine millimeter rounds, they you know, even being high velocity, I think they kind of stayed in mm-hmm. the vehicle, you know. But no, it wasn't like a wild, mm-hmm. uh, going gotcha. crazy, but also. Look at the shooting positions of the two shooters. Orlando right. Anderson's leaning over a guy right. out a window in a moving right. vehicle, and he just starts shooting as mm-hmm. they're passing the car. Mm-hmm. Whereas this guy had his—he supposedly had his left arm on the steering wheel and put his right hand with the gun and rested it. Oh wow! Like that so he knew. Yeah. He knew the position.
3: He had done that before.
2: Exactly. Yeah. That's my that's my thought. Yeah.
3: yeah. Well, and also I guess what I'm getting to is tra- training. You know what I mean? Because sure, there's always that conspiracy, and someone mm. who's trained exactly is going to yeah. be. Is going to be. That's always more like more
2: it's always a speculative thing when I hear that. You know, I, I hear uh, there's an FBI agent out there talking about this right now, and he he called it like a paramilitary thing, and I'm just like, based on, right, based on what though? Like, yeah, th- this is and it, this is the point. There was no like like people tried to say that the hit on Tupac was mm-hmm. you know a professional hit. I'm like, he was he he lived for six days. Right, uh, a hit.
1: Yeah. They would, yeah.
2: There was no headshot. It was, you know, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was spray mm-hmm. the whole car up and hope you hit the guy. That's not a professional hit. Mm-hmm. And even though the grouping pattern on Biggie's was, you know, a little tighter, it was still, mm-hmm. he almost made it. Right. It was that, I think it was that last round that got him. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think there was, Eugene Deal said that every city they would go to for security, they were always aware of That city, East City is kind of known for the something to be on the lookout for. And everybody knew LA is drive-by shootings Mm. in the nineties, watch out for drive-by shootings. Mm -hmm. And they were happening practically every day Mm -hmm. in South Central at this time. And you hear crazy stories mm-hmm. from guys that are still around today talking about driving around Compton mm-hmm. and just randomly shooting people from their cars. So, mm-hmm. it's just you get good at it by doing it, not because you had military training.
1: Right, absolutely. You know? And
2: what military trains people to do drive-by shootings? It's kind of like...
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm surgical with guns, and I've never <laughs> been to the police academy. I've never been trained. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've right. never been in the military or nothing like that. Right. So, yeah, you do something enough, you get good at it.
2: Yeah, um, I think there's a misnomer that these this that, that because they're a gangster, that they're amateur with weapons. Right. It's no, not, not the the, case. no,
1: it's not the case at all. Okay. Um, so where did the conspiracy with the guy, the bow tie guy? So has he because it's it's all even now, I think that they just dismissed a lawsuit or something. Right. Uh, with the LAPD. How did the LAPD being involved? How did that come? Because the, the dude was positively identified as Poochie. Right.
2: By, um, one of Suge's girlfriends, uh, who he'd had children with, mm-hmm. she, uh, eventually confessed to being the mi- the middleman mm-hmm. because Suge was in prison at the time. Right. And that was always the big question is Suge's in jail. How is he, how could you order something like right. this? And she kind of filled in the gaps on how that happened. Right. And he and, eventually
1: paid him 25,000. Right.
2: Uh, I can't remember what the amount was. It may have been five. I can't remember. What was the amount? I think it was 20. It was like two payments, I think. I think it was 25,
1: but I think she yeah. might have taken some off the top. He yeah. You know, of love it. It was right, something,
2: something like, like that. that yeah. yeah. My memory's a little faded on some mm-hmm. of those details, but they, um, but Pucci was supposedly one of the regular enforcers. Okay. That, did this okay. kind of stuff. That's why I always, one of the many reasons why I've always like, it wasn't dirty cops. Why would you reach out to so-called dirty cops when you have right. this yeah. group? that was, according exactly. to an informant called the goon squad, mm-hmm. this is what they do. You know, they killed Ratcliffe, ter- you know, uh, rat mm-hmm. over a dispute. Mm-hmm. This is what they, this is what they do. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're not going to flip. Right. You know, you, you, you get Even if you're dealing with dirty cop, he's still cop.
1: Right. Exactly.
2: And he you don't know what he's what's going on in his life and he could decide this is an opportunity for me for my career.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so, I'm going to
2: get a medal out of this.
1: So, where did that where did the whole LAPD conspiracy come in? How does that tie in?
2: So, um the RHD originally Wilshire division had the case uh, for the first about month or so, a mm-hmm. few weeks. And then RHD, robbery homicide division, which was the elite you know, detective division for the LAPD, they ended up taking over the case when Wilshire you know, wasn't closing it, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, Russell Poole was a detective. He was a new detective to RHD, and he um, started working the case with his partner mm. uh, named Miller. And that's Russell Poole. Um, what happened was about, I think it was July of 97. So about four months after the murder, there was an informant named Michael Robinson, known Mm -hmm. as psycho Mike. And he was in jail at the time of the murder, Mm -hmm. but he claims that he knows who the shooter was. And he knows all this information about the guy. Mm -hmm. So he gets interviewed by, um, not by Russell Poole, but by another detective. And that, and he tells, he gives all this crazy information. He gives five different names. He says the guy's name was maybe Abraham Mm -hmm. or Ashmir or Amir. And that his pre-Muslim name before he converted was Kenny or Kiki. Mm-hmm. And he's saying the guy's a Southsider. He's from the mm-hmm. Southside Crip. And he's naming all these drug dealers from Compton that the guy rolls with. And <laughs> it's just all this crazy stuff. And, right. and at, the, at that time, though, there were, the rumors on the street about Biggie was that it was Southside did it. Mm-hmm. So you can see where he got that information from. That's what everybody was talking about. Was but dead why dead would Southside have done it? The, the, the rumor on the street was that there was a debt owed for security. Mm. for these concerts and everything that was what the rumor on the street was, it was okay sec- the, people didn't know what the debt exactly was for but the mm. most popular rumor was it was security mm. and that it was retaliation for not paying this like million dollar
1: i heard about bill. that yeah but yeah. it was million but it was wasn't it indirectly something that because i think I, I heard Keefe saying something about that that puffy kind of Threw out there, man. If y'all do this and get the death row cats up off of me, I got a million for whoever do it.
2: Keefe D claimed that, yeah, in his in his confession, yeah. So, but the streets are interpret don't are interpreting it as a security thing because they because people know that the Crips are kind of hanging around them and helping them with security. So that's I think that gets interpreted by that. And so Mm -hmm. that's this is what Michael Robinson is hearing Mm -hmm. from all his because he's talking to people on the outside back in Compton Mm -hmm. and they're feeding him rumors. Mm -hmm. So he starts describing a Southside Crip and. One of the five names he gives is, is Amir. And then, you know, fast forward to um I think it was November of ninety seven. Mm-hmm. David Mack robs the bank next to USc's campus mm-hmm. and gets arrested a month later. And one of the first people to go in and visit him in jail within a few days of his arrest is a guy named Amir Muhammad. Mm -hmm. And Mac and Amir had been college friends at the University of Oregon. Mm -hmm. Mac had run track, and I think Amir Muhammad had played football for the University of Oregon. Mm -hmm. And they were also good friends with Mac's wife, who was also there. Mm -hmm. And he gets a visit from someone named Amir Muhammad, and Poole just goes, oh, Amir. Mm. This guy named Amir just visited this dirty cop. Mm-hmm. That was arrested for uh, that. Must be that's that's where it started, and then he started looking for more evidence to support mm-hmm. that. But Amir Muhammad was a mortgage broker, mm-hmm. uh, San Diego suburbs family man, yeah. wife and kids. It didn't play. Uh, he, he's not a Southside Crip for right. sure. He's not from Compton. He's from Virginia. Right. He's not the guy, that, and that's the problem I have, is that the, the guy that Michael Robinson described when saying who the guy was, even the physical description, mm-hmm. he described like a guy who was 6'1", 6'2", 220, 230, mm-hmm. Amir Muhammad was medium-sized, uh, it, none of the description of who this guy was is East, Michael Robinson saying that this shooter drives around Compton in a white stretch limousine, just crazy stuff. Yeah. And the problem I have is that, is that Poole seems to have ignored all of that mm-hmm. and focused on one name, Amir, and said, oh, it must be this guy, Amir Muhammad, mm-hmm. and and ignored the rest. And and my thing is, if you think that Michael Robinson is a credible informant, why aren't you looking for Southside Crips named Kenny or Kiki? Right. Why are you ignoring all that information and right. just focusing on this one aspect mm-hmm. of it? So Wow. And, that, and, and then it grew from there. Then they, I think... Um, one of the witnesses in Biggie's entourage claims that he saw David Mack. He picks him out of a, a lineup, I think, about a year later. Um, and then, what was the other one?
1: David Mack and Pucci are the same person.
2: No. Okay. Pucci was a, a, just a gang enforcer. Okay. He was not a cop. Okay. He was, you know, he was a. a so, so the hitter.
1: only, so the only confirmation you have that the shooter was Pucci was Shug's uh, girlfriend.
2: She's that's the main one, yeah. Okay. Then there's. I'll tell you that I've heard unofficially from various people that were around that mm-hmm. time that, that they always knew mm-hmm. it was kind of like people saying they always knew the Crips did it. Mm-hmm. But I think that, um, the Pyru's were a lot, I think the Pyru's were a lot more tight lipped. Mm-hmm. I think the Southside Crips had more of a tendency to yeah, flap their lips and, right. and, you know, brag right. about what they'd done. And right. I think Pyru's were a little bit more close yeah. to the vest yeah. about their business.
1: It sounds like, Shug was. It sounded like maybe that's really. what it was. Yeah, because yeah. if Shug didn't, because if his girlfriend had never said anything, would we, you would never know a Poochie, right? Because she's the only one that ever said mm-hmm. it, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, um, Poochie's name had come up in a prison letter, um, written by someone saying that they knew Poochie had done it and basically was threatening to expose mm-hmm. that information mm-hmm. if something wasn't done for them. And that was one of the first people that put Poochie's name on it, and then she kind of confirmed it, mm-hmm. and it was just a simple. It was a, there's less evidence, I think, because it was a simpler operation with Poochie. Mm-hmm,
1: right. Yeah.
2: You know what you're doing. Yeah. Go get it done. Yeah. And well, you know, the money will, you'll get the money and that's it. Right. And, right. You know, and wow. Poochie, if you look at pictures of Poochie, it's wild. I have like three or four photos of him where he's in like group settings hanging out. He is either wearing sunglasses or actively gov- covering his face. Wow. With his hands. Okay. And you could tell he didn't want, yeah. he didn't want his picture taken. And I just think he was serious uh-huh. about you know, his business like that.
1: So, so Poochie. Okay. So it's pretty much confirmed that Poochie killed Biggie. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So he gets killed himself.
2: Yeah. So in 2003, I believe Poochie is driving down the street in Compton on his motorcycle and somebody shot him like 10 times Damn. in the back, like with, you know, like a machine yeah. gun of some sort.
1: Did they ever find out what that was related think, to?
2: No, but he was involved in so much stuff. There was there had been another shooting earlier where he was sitting in a car with a guy named Chin Walker mm-hmm. and somebody walked up and shot both of them mm-hmm. and Chin died and Poochie was shot but survived. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's so much crazy stuff So going he was on. probably and, just
1: into a lot of shit.
2: Yeah. And also what happened was when Suge went to prison... Death row started falling apart, mm-hmm. and now all these guys that are starting to get cut off, mm-hmm. and civil kind of you know fighting is start yeah. infighting is starting to happen between guys. You know, yeah. kind of resources are getting scarcer. I think, right. and you know, just personal grievances start up yeah. between people. Start separating into different camps, right? And that's when Buntry gets murdered, Buntry, and Heron, Heron yeah. and and all those guys, Chen, and every everybody. It's all over wow. squabbles that have nothing to do with
1: so it just the murder at that point. Yeah, wow, and then. So so Poochie gets killed in an unrelated uh, uh, shooting and then Orlando Anderson gets killed after killing Tupac in an unrelated incident at the it, car wash.
2: Right. Orlando Anderson supposedly is owed a drug debt or there's a drug deal that, that he didn't, he feels like he was ripped off on or something. Mm-hmm. And it may or may not have been a friend of his mm-hmm. that was really, or, or, cause he's there with his, one of his best friends, a guy named Al Duro. Mm-hmm. And so they're at mom's hamburgers in Compton across the street from this car wash, just hanging out that morning. Orlando Anderson's grandmother died. Mm-hmm. So you kind of, kind of see the mental state he might've been in. And then a, at the car washed across the street was kind of a known hangout spot. They spot the guy mm-hmm. that they've been trying to find. And he's with these two, uh, this uncle and, and nephew, mm-hmm. uh, the stones mm-hmm. uh, who were also very well known and kind of highly respected you say, gangsters in Compton. Black P
1: stones or hmm? are you saying black P stones?
2: No, they're called the stone. No, the stone was their name. Oh, okay. Yeah. Stones. Yeah. Sorry.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm
2: sorry. Um, and they, um, so he, uh, Orlando and Owl drive across the street and confront them over it. Mm-hmm. And what exactly happens next, how things go South is kind of up for debate. There's mm-hmm. differing, uh, uh, you know, explanations for what happened. But in the end of the day, what happens is Orlando starts sh- the shooting st- happens. Orlando shoots, they shoot back. Orlando's fatally wounded. Owl picks up the gun, defends himself, keeps shooting and both stones die. And Orlando Anderson dies. Wow! as a result of that. But it was in the end of the day, it had nothing at all to do with Tupac's murder. Mm -hmm. It was just regular street.
1: So all this shit is just a bunch of bad karma.
2: Yeah. And I've heard from someone in Compton that said that they're like, yeah, that was a dark day for like, you know, the the, the neighborhood. Cause those, all three of those guys, for them to all to go out in the same shootout was Mm -hmm. like heavy. Wow. Heavy. Yeah.
1: Wow. Were they, were the stones and, um, were they from Southside as well?
2: No, um, they were corner pocket. Corner pocket. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. I knew that. I knew that. Wow. So.
2: And I, and I've heard the guy that was really, the beef was a third guy and he kind of survived the situation and really? got out of it. Yeah. And then Al Duro caught three murder charges and doing three life terms. Did he
3: uh, catch Orlando's too?
2: Yeah. He got all three murders cause it was, you know, they fell any murder. Yeah. So even though he only may have maybe killed one guy, mm-hmm. he he gets he he's the as the survivor he gets you know all three murders hung on him mm-hmm. for felony murder
3: yeah even his friends
2: yep In Orlando too Yep. wow even though because if you start shooting because if you commit a robbery right. Right. and your friend gets killed even though he's yeah. your accomplice yeah he, you're gonna get you're gonna catch that felony murder you're, you're committing a, a violent felony and your friend died wow. doesn't matter what side they were on yeah. wow
1: yep wow damn so. After you combed through all of this, that's what basically made you uh, uh, get involved with Greg Cading for the Murder Rap.
2: Oh, uh, I already was. That this was all in the in the process of making Murder Rap that mm-hmm. I learned all this information, mm-hmm. most of it. Yeah.
1: So, what made you want to take it to a documentary?
2: You, that was I. That was I would already decided I wanted to make a doc. Okay. About it, and then spent the next like three years. Okay. Going through the case files, and and figuring out how to tell this complicated story in, mm. you know, an hour and 45 minutes or whatever. Yeah. yeah.
1: When did you start production on, on that, on the uh, documentary? I
2: think we started filming in kind of mid early 2013. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we delivered in, uh, I guess two years later we delivered it, the film, the distributor in mm-hmm. 2015.
1: Okay. How did it do? It did great. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was fun. It was, yeah. it did a lot of business and, um, it got a lot of attention and, um, you know, nobody gets rich off documentaries. It's not a business thing. It's more of uh, yeah. you're passionate about making them, I right. think. But, um, I think it, did, it, it was, it, it, the ultimate thing to achieve if you make a documentary is to get a scripted project made from it. Mm-hmm. And so when Universal came around and wanted to make Unsolved, you know, technically based on Greg's book. Mm-hmm. But obviously inspired also by the documentary, that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's as much success as you could hope for a documentary right. to have, you know. Right. So it's always going to be modest success.
1: Right. Yeah. With Unsolved, how many uh, seasons did that go?
2: It was uh, one season because it was supposed to be serialized. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like a true detective. It was supposed to be, you know, a different story each year, mm-hmm. you know, with different cast. So they did 10 episode season on this case. Mm-hmm. And then they haven't done a season two yet. So I, I don't know if they're going to figure out a way to do that or not.
1: And season one was based on both murders or just. It was both. Both.
2: Okay. Covered both murders. Right.
1: Okay. So was that, was it, cause I didn't, I didn't see it. Was it dramatized or was it based on fact just put into a series?
2: Uh, unsolved? Yeah. It was, uh, it was dramatized. It was scripted. Okay. Meaning I guess what
1: I'm saying is they took the, they took the, it was, it was about Tupac and Biggie. It mm-hmm. was just basically, uh, I guess, um, their movies just condensed to a series basically.
2: Yeah. What they did was they took, um, they did, they told parallel stories. They told the story mm-hmm. of how Pac and Big got to know each other mm-hmm. and became friends and then how they fell out mm-hmm. with each other and then, and then bounced back and forth between that and Russell Poole's investigation in the nineties and Greg Cating's investigation in, in dots and, you know, mm-hmm. two thousand six to 2010. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. So let me ask you, do you believe that all of this aftermath started from the disagreement? Well, I guess Tupac getting shot is that that was the precipice for all of this. Do you think that that's where it all went bad?
2: I think it started with Jake Robles in Atlanta. That was where it really went. That's when, when blood was first spilled Okay. Thing. It was a war of words. But that was and that then Jake Roe
1: and Bad Boy? Yeah. Was it? Okay. So
2: Jake Robles was Shug's, a good friend of Shug's. Okay. Uh, and he he was uh, another uh, gang member who was around them. But Jake was very interested in the business mm-hmm. and was learning, was kind of trying to, he was really Suge's business protege in mm-hmm. addition to everything else. And he and Shug were in Atlanta for a birthday party at a club and Bad Boy was there. Mm-hmm. And there's a dispute over girls mm-hmm. that spills out outside and, um somebody pulls a gun and shoots Jake Robles and he's, he's mortally wounded. Uh, he lived for another few weeks, but eventually, you know, succumbed to his injuries. And I, that, and should blame that on, I think Puffy's bodyguard, a guy named Wolf. Yep. Anthony Wolf Jones. And so that, that's so that at that point, it's like, okay, that's where it's now. It's serious. Okay. And then you have the Anthony bell beating in LA Mm -hmm. which Anthony Bell was a promoter who was friends with Puffy. I think they'd grown up together or gone to school together. Mm -hmm. And Anthony, so they knew that. So what happened there was Anthony Bell first, I think he gets invited to death row's offices for under the auspices of a meeting, Mm -hmm. but in the lobby, he's offered money if they'll give up, the address where puffy stays when he comes out to la mm-hmm. and he, he he refuses so they're like hey we're having a christmas party you know tonight or tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, you'll come out to the party and that's when it's kind of like okay you know we tried to lure you with honey now we're gonna beat it out of you mm. and they take him upstairs suge and some of the uh, gangsters take him upstairs and they beat him up and trying to get this information out of him and he ends up running and jumping off like a balcony Mm -hmm. and just as police are arriving because a friend had noticed, had Mm -hmm. seen him go up there and was like, oh no, like Mm -hmm. this is bad. And police show up and he doesn't make a report. He just wants to get out of there Mm -hmm. and he leaves. And then later on he makes a report. And I think there was a a lawsuit and a settlement Mm -hmm. for that situation. I didn't know
3: about that situation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They showed it. They showed it, uh, dramatized in a couple of different movies. Yeah. Unsolved had it. Yeah. Unsolved had it. Yeah. Where they invite him in the room and they shut the door. Uh Mm. Yeah.
2: Wow. And it's the air in trouble now, you know, and he, uh, uh, and
3: I think that that escalated things
2: further because now yeah. Puff knows, look, yeah. they're not trying to find out my address in LA because exactly. they want to send me a gift basket. Exactly. Like, what's this about? Like, how, how is how far is this going to go? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Wow.
1: So that same shooting in Atlanta where Wolf killed Robles, um, is that the same shooting that Big Meach got shot as well?
2: I don't believe so now. Okay. No, there was just one shoot. Robles okay. was the only one who got shot that okay. night. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. So with all this transpired, um, and all that, you know, you know, with everything and everybody, what has happened, are you shocked at, at, at where everybody is currently, where, where Suge is hmm. and where, where Puffy is?
2: It's kind of a, the, the, the polar opposite direction that those guys ended up yeah. in is really yeah, for shocking. Sure. It is shocking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that Suge fell that far. Mm-hmm. He didn't just lose his company, that he's mm-hmm. probably going to die in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, That is shocking to me. Mm-hmm. That whole thing with him and Terry Carter, I, mm-hmm. who could have seen that coming? But right. I think what happened with Suge was he was still kind of throwing his weight around, but he didn't have the guys behind him like he used to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what Mob James will tell you is that, you know, people weren't afraid of Suge, they were afraid of the guys behind Suge. Right. And... I think he reached a point where he didn't really have guys behind him like he used to. Mm-hmm. I and mean, if you look at, he's down there confronting, you know, trying to confront Dre and these guys over royalties. Mm-hmm. I think for using him, him, his likeness in the film, he's there by himself. Mm-hmm. Normally he would have rolled up with 12 guys. Right. right. So I think that kind of shows you where he was at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, he's in a, in a situation where he, I think he was going to have to be at like six. Yeah charges yeah, or go do life for yeah. any of them. Cause he'd right. be third strike. He was going to have to make one a one twice. Yep.
1: Yeah. So with, do you think that with all that, you know, do you think that Puffy is, or Diddy, whatever you want to call him? <laughs> uh, do you think that his buddy he, love right now? Yeah. Love. Yeah. What? Love.
3: Yeah. He's love right now. Oh, that's right. 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 Changed his name to love. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. 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 Do you right. think that
1: love <laughs> is, is as gangster and as guilty as, 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 uh, as Suge, Um. Because, you be know, Puffy has always man. been able to kind of somewhat keep a, a different image. You
2: sure. You know what I'm saying? He does, yeah, car, he do does, it. he's in
1: car commercials. Yeah. Know you mean? know what, like, what I mean? Yeah. But, but Puffy, you know, he, he's not, his hands aren't clean.
3: I feel you know like I mean? he's Teflon though. Cause he got away on a shine one too. That's what I'm saying. Like shine yeah. shot yeah. up a whole club. I don't think, Nothing
2: I mean, stuck to him. I don't so, think that he was like gangster, gangster, like mm-hmm. Suge was, or at least purported to be, right, right, you know, right. um, but I, I don't, I, I don't know. That's a good yeah. question. I
1: mean, just given all the, the evidence and everything that transpired mm-hmm. or does it, or does it seem like maybe Puffy, I don't want to throw any shade at him, but <laughs> just based on the facts, is he someone that throws rocks and hides his hands and kind of saves his own
3: ass?
2: I don't know. That's okay. a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know the answer to
1: that. You know, given that what you just
3: said about shine, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, I don't, look, I don't know any of these guys, but I know that, I know that, there he has some involvement, whether or not he was calling shots or just involved with Zip or whoever. It was. Mm-hmm. Like he's involved right. to some level. Yes, yeah, and people died. Right. And with the Shine thing, again, I don't know. I don't know Puff, but he's involved right. to some level. To some level. Yeah. But he, ne- but like he never went down for anything. That's so. what I'm saying.
1: Right. You know, it's almost like like Puffy kind of stays on the periphery of bullshit. You know, what I'm saying he's close enough to it just to, you know what I mean? I guess nuanced but not so far where Suge stands next to the shit. Suge right there with you, like with the brawl with Tupac, Suge Mm -hmm. right there. So with Shine,
3: when he shot, Puffy was like, no, I ain't had nothing to do with (laughs) (laughs) it." Or benefit, or benefit, uh, give him the, um, benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. Or he just really isn't involved. He just, it's, it's rap, man. It's gangster rap in the Maybe 90s. So. He just, he's just it a, could be. I'm he's, just. He's just the in question. proximity. Uh, right.
1: That's what I said. On True. the periphery of the bullshit. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Is he
2: involved right. or is he just in the, you know, you know like you mean? the periphery of yeah. it? Right. Yeah. I
1: mean,
3: I'm I just mean, asking the question. Of, yeah, all yeah. of it is unfortunate, man. It you is. Just, you just it lose is. great people. We yeah. lost great artists. I mean, can you
2: imagine if 25 years ago they'd tell you Sugar's going to go to prison for life, probably? Yeah. And Puffy's going to be a billionaire. Yeah. Like I that's mean,
1: the, it wasn't, that's the trajectory to be honest you with you,
3: it wouldn't be far-fetched. I mean, give if it, you were going to I say, say, who's say 25 win, years right? ago, I'd say that sounds... It would be right. far-fetched, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, because Shug right, was, yeah. I mean, Shug was mm-hmm. already the, the, yeah. the rumors of him hanging people from balcony. Yeah. I, um, one yeah. of the actors who played in the
2: reenactments in my movie had an encounter with him in Vegas one time. Yeah. They ran into each other, like mm-hmm. literally ran into each other. And this was not like a small guy, this actor. Yeah. It was like, came around a corner and we smacked. And he goes, Shug was immediately... Like what up, homie? Yeah, and and he was like, <laughs> Man, <laughs> like and his eyes are there with. I, him? I've what?
3: had I've had encounter. I won't say the <laughs> rapper's name, but we we come from the rap circle, mm-hmm. and I was at a house of blues, uh, with another ar- sunset. With, yeah, with another artist uh, and my ex wife, and sugar was with. He was there,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and then the, the artist that I was with it was it was funny. He was like talking about doing a collab album with them, and then. We went out to dinner later that night and that artist's wife was like, what? You're not doing an album with Shook? And they just went back and forth Mm -hmm. on like the ups and downs. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, he's an intimidating figure in LA. You know what? (laughs) I'd have to, this is
1: the crazy thing about it. Everybody knows I'm no limit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm no limit. Master P is my brother. I have to say that the times that I've encountered Suge, he's always been super cool.
2: Right. He, he was cool a thousand. I used blues, to. Though.
1: I used to see him all the time at the Polo Lounge. I used to go up to it's the. So polo funny lounge, you said that. And yeah. he was all. We didn't know each other like that, but he would always see me. You know, give me dab. Hey, yeah. what's up, homie, how you doing? You know, he was always. And I remember one time we were on Sunset, uh, kind of over by Bel Air, uh, UCLA, mm-hmm. and we were coming up. No, Sepulveda. I'm sorry, Sepulveda. Sure. And, and he pulled up next to me
2: <laughs> and rolled
1: his window <laughs> down. And was like, I see you, you know, I said, yeah, what's up with your OG? I see you too. How you doing? He was like, oh man, you know, trying to get it. Right. And he just went
2: about his business. He's not going to get to where he got by not being charismatic. Right. Right. You know, there's still going to be a lighter side to him. And there's yeah. it's funny, there's people that it's like they, the people that are around him have like a love hate relationship with mm-hmm. him now. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. even the people that say they don't like him. They, mm-hmm. There's still
3: some right, love right. for the guy. No, right.
2: he, you know, it's kind of interesting. He's right. super
3: charismatic. I mean, the artist that I was with that night at House of Blues, Suge was super cordial, super mm-hmm. friendly. <laughs> and I was the whole reason he was like, man, we should do. Like a, <laughs> yeah. Like You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was a good, it, it wasn't a bad vibe at all. Like she and, was very and this is the other thing. Guy. Yeah, this is the other thing too. Oh, well,
1: the other story I have is uh, me and Master P, we were at Philippe Chow's. Uh, it was just me and P. And we were meeting Gucci Mane down there at the time because P was kind of managing Gucci for a spell and uh, Waka was there. And I think Waka invited uh, Shug. And uh, it was so funny. It was just me and P and Shug walked in. I think he had some of the uh, OFTB dudes with him. Uh, And, and, you know, Gucci had his people. Waka had his people and people in the restaurant literally start getting up and leaving because I think they thought that it was going to be a problem. But it wasn't. He was super cordial with P, super cool with me. It was all like it was all love. I bo- It was. It was all love. Um, and it was just me and P, mm-hmm. you know. Um, now, don't get me wrong. You know, I was ready. You know, because I told P, I remember texting him, like, hey, let me know whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Right. While we talking, let me know. Oh, yeah,
3: because I forget, because P had the whole yeah. Snoop thing. Exactly. And that, yeah.
1: And, and Suge called P, you know, when, when, when Snoop, uh, when P first moved out here to L.A., you know, Suge called P, like, hey, you know, I don't think L.A. is big enough for both of us. And P mm. told him, hey, I just bought a house when you leaving, you know, and hung up <laughs> on it, You know what I'm saying? But Suge struck, strike me as a type that, you know, uh, He'll try to get it off if he feels like he can. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. If you if you show any sign of pussy or weakness, he may press you. But mm-hmm. if you stand, you know what I mean, and you just then then and he gonna he gonna carry it high. I think I, that's one I, of the the, the
2: leading theories on who um, the shooting what the shooting at One Oak was about. Mm-hmm. Him was that he may have pressed up on the wrong person, mm-hmm. and that was a message back that
1: right You can't no. do that with everybody. Mm-mm. You can't do that with everybody.
2: No. But my uh, my agent right now, uh, early in his career, before he was an agent, he was Suge's manager for mm-hmm. a time. And my agent is a redheaded, pale-skinned dude, as far from gangster, yeah. anything as you can imagine. And he said, it, eventually he got out of that. He didn't like the situation. But he said, Suge kept showing up at places where he was. Mm-hmm. And one of the places he said was, the polo lounge. Yes. And I'll, I'll let him know, like, it wasn't you, man. It was no, was a regular. There. <laughs> was, I was a regular.
1: I, I would see Suge there a couple times a week. That's, oh, that's how we got oh, familiar. Wow. All right. That's how we got familiar. So, um, he was always pleasant, you know? Um, you know, and again, I think that some of the stuff that, that he's done is warranted. I think some stuff he gets a bad rap, but then what we have to understand too is, you know, Suge was very young, you know what I mean? When you talk about like All these guys 20s, were so young. Yeah, you're talking about mid-20s, late 20s, even early 30s, and you're coming into all this money. Right. And, and nobody comes from money and, right. and having this influence and just anything... It's crazy. you want. I mean, you Pop know. Pop and Big are both under 25. That's what right. I'm saying. So... Looking back on it, me as, at 45, and I'm able to look at when I was 25. I
2: was an idiot. I was an idiot. And I didn't I have what dumb. they had either. Yeah. Like, I didn't have all yeah. the, you know, the, the things, uh, exactly you know, the around me. Success to, and all right, of that shit. Right.
1: So I'm trying to think that shit, if I had, you know, it was worth a hundred million dollars <laughs> at 26, 27, and I, <laughs> I got all the homies from the faux block, I probably would have acted a little bit of a fool too.
2: You he, he, he think you're untouchable, yeah. right? Right. You, you don't know, yeah. know you don't know life yet. Yeah. That you know what
3: people yeah. are going to do. Yeah.
1: Now the recent shit with Terry Carter. I mean, he was grown enough, <laughs> you know, to know better at that mm-hmm. point. Which I don't
3: even know mean, if he meant to do that. No, though. I know. I don't That's know if I'm he saying. meant to. Yeah, which, I don't think. I, he did. I believe that was an accident. I believe it was an accident. But but what precipitated that? Was his that. friend too? Yeah. Yeah. Like Terry wasn't even like a enemy. And
2: Bone was a consultant on assault. Yes. Yes. But talked to Bone a little bit about
1: it. But at the same time. Suge was still up there on bullshit. What was
2: Bone's perspective on the whole thing. Um, what can I say about that? Basically, I think, well, Suge rolled up at the, um, at the set first. They were shooting a promo for the film. And that's when, and Bone, Bone was kind of there as to help Mm -hmm. manage those situations. Mm -hmm. Right. And so was, for that matter, so was Terry Carter. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what he did. He's kind of. He knows everybody, he can right. make peace with everybody, can iron things out, you know? And I think that that bone was like, they were the ones that were like, hey, let's, don't call, nobody called, don't call the police, don't call the police. Let's go handle this. We'll talk it out over at TAMS, mm-hmm. meet us over there. And that's what that, that was about. But then clearly a physical altercation happens. And yeah. I can't remember, words were said that yeah. instigate, I think, I think Suge talked shit about somebody right. who was, in the vicinity, like right. kind of, I know he's going to hear me say this. Right. And that's what started the yeah. the altercation.
1: And Bone kind of admitted to having a little bit of a, a grievance with Suge. Mm-hmm. Too, you know what I mean? So it may have just been, you know, some posturing that, 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 you know, went left, you know, and, right. and, and, but Suge was on bullshit though. Suge was up there trying to press folk, you know, cause he wanted some more money and yep. different things like that. So, you know, it, he was doing more of that bullshit. You know, you, you if it's business, then you send your lawyer, you know. Right. You, you, it's exactly. a way to handle business, you know.
2: So, and I think that's what Puff figured out, that Shug yeah. never figured out.
1: Right. Right. You know, yeah. so unfortunately, you know, he, he, he became a victim of his own, you know, circumstance and choices mm-hmm. and as he been doing. But, you know, I try not to, I don't like to beat up on Shug. I think that, right. you know, we all make mistakes. All of us fall short, and, mm-hmm. you know. Have to work on ourselves, and hopefully he gets parole before you know. I think he, I think he will probably before he's you know. You know what's
2: crazy too is I think I think if there hadn't been for the other cases, I think Mm -hmm. he could have beat the Terry Carter thing as self defense accident. I think he could have, I think he would have been okay.
1: But the sentence wouldn't have been enhanced either, right? Because of the other cases. So even if he got manslaughter or something, Mm -hmm. it may have not been what he got, what he ended up getting, right? You know, which is too bad. So. You
2: know. But then there was the whole thing with like his, his girlfriend or somebody gets busted for selling that tape Yeah. TMZ, right. you know, which is how we all got the security footage right. of the incident. Right. And then, you know, there's other stuff that was happening that was just, and he kept switching lawyers around. Yeah. And it was just like, and Mesereau all, was involved. And
1: all those moves come back to desperation. You know right. what I mean? Here right. you have a half a billion dollar company that was lost, you know, to Hasbro, <laughs> you know, through default. Right. You know what I mean? And his girlfriend is making, you know, poor choices because money. You know, he's up there pressing because he need a dollar. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it all comes back to just poor choices and desperation, unfortunately. Um, so you did that project. So you did the uh the Unsolved. And yeah. And that was pretty successful. That was on USA?
2: Yeah, it was It was a universal production. Uh, USA Network and Netflix together went in on it. So USA Network got it for the first year and then Netflix released it after that.
1: So it's on Netflix right now? It is now, yeah. Okay, okay. So any new projects?
2: Uh, I uh, I take over as a showrunner on a series starting Monday. Okay. okay. Um, that I It's not announced yet, but, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's my next big thing. And then I've just been doing a series of short videos on YouTube uh, exploring aspects of the case that I always thought were interesting that I didn't have time to go into mm-hmm. as much in these other projects. Mm-hmm. And it started out as just kind of a personal thing I wanted to put out, mm-hmm. and then Vlad... TV came along Mm -hmm. and was interested and so we I said well you have 4.6 million subscribers and Mm -hmm. you know my murder rap page has like 13,000 so I would love for more people to see this Mm -hmm. so it kind of grew into something bigger than what I planned but yeah
1: How'd you connect with with Vlad?
2: I've been in touch with Vlad off and on before Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't remember why we originally connected but he's had Greg Kading on a couple times Um, he think he had James on mob James on mm-hmm. once, yeah, um, three times th- multiple times. Yeah. yeah, of course, he had the Keefe interview, which yeah. was big. Yeah. um, so he and I connected a bit over the over the years. So every it seemed like every like year or so I would touch base with him on something. Mm-hmm. So I actually reached out to him when my second episode came out, because I was like, hey, this might interest your viewers. Maybe I thought maybe he might write up a uh, do a write up on it on his website or mm-hmm. something. and but it came back as mm-hmm. but let's. Oh, wow. do you want to put it on our platform? So,
1: so how many episodes do you have going on Blaz's platform?
2: Uh, t- uh, the first three have come out, and episode four comes out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I finished episode five pretty much. I'll probably totally finish this weekend. And I told him I, I got like thirty ideas. Mm-hmm. It's it, it, for everything from big things like you know debunking conspiracy theories down to smaller side stories. You know, like there was uh like the Southside Crips. Uh, three of the the people involved allegedly in the murder are in a music video together. Mm. with uh mellow. Wow. Really? <laughs> that was shot in Southside yeah. Crips neighborhood. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that ties into Keefe's claims that they used his lowrider in a music video. Southsiders were known for having nice lowriders. Right. They had a car club mm-hmm. and they were, and they were used and easy used their cars cause Keefe and, e- mm-hmm. and easy knew each right. other. Right. And so you see Southsider cars popping up in these nineties music videos. So that was not uncommon. Mm-hmm. And, but there's a music video that has Orlando Anderson, Keefe and DeAndre Smith, three of the four guys that were allegedly in Cadillac are in a music video together. So it's like little stuff like that that I want to like explore that I think are interesting. Not that I think it's going to blow the case open. Right. It's not all about that. Right. And some of the criticism I guess, "Well, what does this mean? It doesn't mean. It doesn't have to mean anything. It's just interesting.
1: Is Do you have your, your eyes on any other rappers? I mean, those are the two <laughs> biggest, but you, you know, right. you got Mac Dre, you got Soldier mm-hmm. Slam. Have you thought about? You
2: not know, yet. No. Yeah. No, it's. it's Would more, you consider? Of course. Okay. Absolutely, yeah. You should look into that. You okay. should
1: look into Mag Dre. Mm-hmm. Look into Soldier Slim in New Orleans. Uh, who else? I mean,
3: there's so many you look so, into Mo <laughs> Mo, Mo three Mo three just most, recently. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hell, yeah. yeah. King Vine. I mean, we can name them. You know, sure. Even the young generation. Yeah. Well, there's the ones that are unsolved. I think Vaughn they oh, have right, the right, shoe. Right. That's right? the no, one. No. Yeah. But unsolved. like Mo, but like Mo three got gunned down on a highway and they don't really know. Mm-hmm. No, they got a suspect. They got a suspect. Yeah, yeah, they have true. a suspect. But that don't mean that they necessarily have, you know, that don't mean that it is. But there's also is. another right. rap crew in mm-hmm. Dallas that they're looking at as mm-hmm. like, did, right. was it a beef? Mm-hmm. Because I think he had been shot previously, like a year before. Mm. Wow. Over, over, and I think somebody has said he had shot somebody back. Like, there's a No, hole. he did. Yeah, he got into a shootout
1: in Houston. Yeah, yeah.
3: there's yeah. like a whole thing, Wayne. But, mm. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of these yeah. stories. And, right. of course, you have the Mac Dre
1: and Mac Minister and the Fat Tone whole thing, you know, if you're familiar with that. So, yeah. Great. There's a lot. there's, yeah, a, lot a, lot. You the... there's a lot. Unfortunately,
2: there's a lot. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. So, man, so uh, that's what you had. So any other documentaries that's coming out soon uh, other than what you're working
2: no, on? No, I just re-released uh, Lost Airmen of Buchenwald, the World War II one that I did is out now. It's on iTunes and Apple TV and... Uh, Pay per view and, and pretty much anywhere where you can rent movies, it's there mm-hmm. now. Um, mm-hmm. I, I updated it and put it back mm-hmm. out again. Uh, okay, this a couple of
3: weeks ago. So watch the Vlad mm-hmm. interviews that are coming out, which and, is called Deep Dive and the new series, sh- a new showrunner project that we'll yeah, hear which about. Hopefully, soon.
2: will be out soon. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. You have to come back and talk about that once it gets up and going.
2: So, yeah, like if you're a showrunner, is
1: big. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, big. Yeah. So right. anything else you want to tell the the listeners? No. All right, man. Well, listen, we appreciate you coming, my brother. You know, all the good work you've done mm-hmm. uh, with the murder rap and the unsolved, um, you know, you contributing to, you know, uh, the people figuring out a piece of history.
2: My, my whole thing is I want to put the case files out as much as I can mm-hmm. and let 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 people see the actual evidence, because there's so much on this case that's based on speculation and innuendo. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I'm tired of hearing people's opinions. Mm-hmm. show what's the evidence you have to back up what you're saying. So that's what I focus on is here's what the case files actually say, mm-hmm. make up your own mind about
3: yeah. what it means. And I guess it's all circumstantial. It just feels like there's, there's what could be <laughs> the truth because it makes the most sense.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like yeah. I said, I always tell people what you thought happened to Tupac when it happened As soon as you heard about the altercation with Lando Anderson, it's exactly what you always thought happened. Exactly. But here's how it actually happened, you know, and Napoleon from the Outlaws reached out to me. Mm -hmm. We've talked a few times and, you know, after the movie came out, he told me it's what we always knew happened, but hearing Keefe finally confess Mm -hmm. and say it first, just admit to it. Mm -hmm. He's like that closed the case Mm -hmm. for me. And I think a lot of people felt that way. Right. And there was another Tupac producer that reached out to me right after Murder Rap came out and um, he had done some prison time, in, you know, in the uh, the early 2000s, I think. And he told me that there was a, uh, a Southside Crip on his block Mm -hmm. and everybody know, Oh, you're the Tupac producer. Hey, you got to talk to this Southside Crip. He's got a story he's got to tell you. So he sat down and guy told him what happened, Mm -hmm. this story basically. And, uh, he goes, I kind of put it in the back of my mind. Like maybe that's true or not. I don't know. He goes, and then I watched murder rap, you know, 10, 15 years later, he goes, it's the same exact story. This guy told me in prison back before, Mm-hmm. greg kating ever had the case or anything wow so he 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 for him was like oh that's my confirmation you know right and a lot of people that were around then they watched the murder app and it fills in gaps mm-hmm. of information they already had mm-hmm. and it kind of helps the puzzle pieces you know fit all the way fit together tight you know right, yeah.
3: Right. yeah and i see you and i see you uh, wearing the tupac but wearing they...
2: my my uh, uh this is our unsolved uh official crew and casting and crew swag that they hoodie that they there you gave
3: us. yeah dope dope yeah, dope. yeah.
1: All right, man. Well, great work, man. Thank you. you. We definitely appreciate you for coming, my brother. Thanks for having me. You're always welcome here and keep up the good work. We'll be looking for your new projects. Appreciate it, sir.